Get your Bible out and open it up with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. And we've been talking about residency uh, today. And uh, what I want you to understand is that a residency program is not anything new. It's not like we're creating something brand new. In fact, it's really, really old. And I want to show you this morning maybe one of the first residency programs mentioned in the Bible. And that is a residency between Moses and uh, Joshua, okay? And uh, how God used him in a very special, special way. So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. So if you're with me, say amen. Amen. All right, this is the word of God. Uh, After the death of Moses... Uh, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Now stop right there uh, for just a minute. Uh, God is... uh, telling Joshua that this is a new day, all right? Moses, the leader, is now dead. The great leader that led them out of Egypt, he's gone. Joshua, you are now the new leader that's going to move them across the Jordan and into the land of promise. And, uh, and he goes on to say, hey, wherever, look at verse 3, wherever your foot treads, I'm going to be there. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to be with you. No one is going to stand against you, Joshua, because I am going before you. God's making some incredible promises to Joshua uh, because Joshua is really stepping not only into the promised land, he is stepping up into a new level of leadership that he's never had before. Now, a lot of us think about Joshua. We know Joshua. We know some of the stories about Joshua, but we really don't know much background about him. Who is Joshua? Where did he come from? What prepared him for this huge leadership step uh, that he was taking? So let me give you just kind of by way of introduction, uh, a couple of facts about Joshua. We might want to jot some of these down. Uh, The first thing we know is that Joshua was raised as a slave in Egypt. Joshua was an Israelite. Uh, During that time, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. They were forced to do hard labor. So Joshua was raised up in that. Uh, His father before him, his grandfather before him, raised up as slaves doing hard labor uh, in Egypt. Uh, Secondly, Joshua was the firstborn of a man named Nun, and uh, he was from the tribe of Ephraim. So he was the firstborn of his uh, family. And then thirdly, it's quite possible that Joshua knew Moses even at an early, early age. Uh, The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 11, verse 28, that he was Moses' assistant from his youth. And so it may be that while Moses was the prince of Egypt and he certainly had servants to take care of him, who knows, maybe Joshua was one of his servants even as a young boy and that over the period of time, their relationship has grown. And so when they went through the Exodus experience and when they're in the wilderness, uh, that relationship was already there. It seems to be that that was the case. Number four, uh, Joshua saw God's power firsthand. 
Joshua saw the power of God uh, in the plagues of Egypt. He saw the power of God uh, split wide open the Red Sea and walk across on dry land. Joshua did that. He saw the power of God. He saw the he saw the ocean cover up the Egyptian army and decimate them. Joshua saw it firsthand. And that would be very important for him when he faces his future battles because he knows what he saw. He can't unsee what he saw. He saw the power of God at work. So this is Joshua. You know, when you read uh, the background of Joshua, what, what is striking to me is that there's nothing really that great about him. He didn't go to an Ivy League school like Moses. He wasn't necessarily attractive like Moses. Uh, there, there isn't a lot that's special about him. He seems like a common guy. And yet God had a very special, important plan uh, for Joshua. And listen, God's got a very important plan for you too. God's got a purpose for you. You know, I, I'm just telling you this as your pastor who loves you. You know, so many times I think you sell yourself short. People think, well, you know, I can't really do that much. And, you know, I, I've got all these other things going on in my life. And God could never really use me. Listen, you're selling yourself short. That God could use you in such an incredible way if you would simply surrender your heart fully and completely to him. And so uh, what I know is this, that before God uses a person, he trains that person. He prepares that person. In fact, I want you to write this thought down. Uh, important point here. God always prepares you for the purpose he has for you. All right, I love that. God always prepares you for the purpose he has for you. In fact, God's already preparing you now. Think about that. All your experience, God's been preparing you. All your education, God's been preparing you. Even the way God made you, your gifts and talents, your interests, your abilities, even the suffering and hardship and pain you've gone through, none of it is wasted. God is preparing you. All this is at work in your life. And if you and I could sit down and we could talk about these things, it could become even clearer the purpose that God has for your life. All right? God's preparing you. And we're going to see here that God prepared Joshua for the purpose he had for him. So what I want to do today is I want to give you four leadership lessons that Joshua learned in his residency, okay? And they're going to apply to us too, okay? Four lessons that Joshua learned in his residency uh, under Moses, all right? So jot this first one down. Lesson number one, only God can win your battles, only God can win your battles. Now, keep your finger in Joshua 1, and we're going to move around in our Bible today, okay? All right, so I want you to flip over to Exodus chapter 17. All right, Exodus chapter 17. And while you're turning there, let me just kind of set the stage here that uh, Moses has led the Israelites out of bondage in Egypt. They're now in the wilderness. They've probably been gone a couple of months and they're making their way down to Mount Sinai to meet with God. And along the way, they are ambushed by a nomadic group of people called the Amalekites, right? Now, you got to remember, the Israelites, they're just slaves, right? They just are freed slaves. They're not trained warriors. They've not been organized into battalions and units. They don't have a lot of, lot of battle gear. They're just slaves on the run. And, and these Amalekites are coming on them to fight them. And uh, what are they going to do? 
What's Moses going to do when they're suddenly attacked, unprepared? Uh, we'll look at Exodus 17, verse 9. It says, Moses said to Joshua, select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. So what did he do? He said, Joshua, once you get some guys together, you're going to go out and fight. And I'm going to go up to the mountain and I'm going to pray. And so as, it, as the story unfolds, as Moses lifted up his hands in prayer to God, Joshua gained uh, the victory and he began to prevail against the enemies. But when his hands came down, then the enemy began to prevail. And so it was back and forth, back and forth. All right, just like the Baylor game. All right, back and forth, back and forth. Who's going to win? All right, sorry, sorry, Bears. Anyway, just, just remember the frogs were a part of the plagues of Egypt. All right, I think that's where fear of the frog comes from. UTCU people can use that. Anyway, has nothing to do with the sermon. Anyway, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, finally, ultimately, Joshua prevails against the Amalekites. And they're so thankful that Moses builds an altar and he calls out to Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord, our banner. You know, you raise a banner when you go into battle. The Lord that goes before us in battle. The Lord that gives us a victory. The Lord that causes us to win. Now, this is really important for Joshua because Joshua's gonna fight a whole lot more battles. In fact, Joshua is the warrior leader. He's gonna be known for his battles. But on that day, he learned only God can win your battles. Only God can go before you. And win. You can't trust in your own initiative. You can't trust in your, uh, your plans, your strategies. You can't trust in your resources. Only God uh, can win your battles. What an important lesson for all of us to learn. I remember uh, interviewing a pastor from West Africa. And this pastor uh, is a very humble man, small in stature, kind of quiet in his demeanor. Uh, but God had, has used him to literally reach tens of thousands of people, not only in West Africa, but all over the world. And, and I asked him, you know, what is the secret to the incredible success that you've had in reaching people for Christ? And he said, well, it certainly isn't my preaching. He said, in fact, when I started to preach, nobody would come. He said, I would preach to an empty room, all right? Nobody wanted to come hear me preach. It wasn't my preaching. But he said, we began to pray and pray and pray that God would do something special that would reach people with the gospel. And he said, I learned that only through prayer could we prevail. And then he looked at me and he said these words, I'll never forget it. He said, the American church, the problem with the American church is this, they have lowered their hands. They've lowered their hands. Like Moses, they, they've forgotten that only God can win the battle. They're lowering their hands and they're no longer seeing God fighting the battles for them, God moving in a powerful way because we've simply stopped praying. Let me ask you something. Have you lowered your hands? You know, some of you are facing some serious battles. Serious battles at home. Serious battles with your health. Serious battles in, in different areas. Maybe at, at your work, some serious battles going on. How much time have you spent on your knees crying out for God to win this battle? Have you lowered your hands? 
Joshua learned on this day, hey, when I go into battle, only God can give me the victory. Only God can win these battles for me. That's lesson number one. Uh, Jot this one down. Lesson number two is this, always remain in God's presence. Second lesson, always remain in God's presence. Now turn to Exodus chapter 24. Now they, they've, they've won the battle against the Amalekites. Now they've made it to the base of Mount Sinai where God is gonna give the 10 commandments. And God speaks to Moses in Exodus 24 verse 12. It says, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay there so that I may give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandments I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose, now get this, with his assistant Joshua, and they went up the mountain of God. So you get the picture, God says, hey, I want you to come up here. I'm going to give you the Ten Commandments. And Moses goes up the mountain, but who does he take with him? Joshua, his resident, right? He's going, come on, I want you to experience this. I want you to see what is happening. And so they go up to the mountain. And if you continue reading the story, it says that the whole mountain was filled with a cloud, the presence of God. And God began to speak to Moses and give him the Ten Commandments. Now, we don't know if Joshua actually saw God do that, how close they were. But I know this, there was no one closer to God and to Moses in that moment than Joshua. Joshua was as close as you could get to the presence of God. He experienced it. Sometime later, if you flip over to Exodus 33, verse 11, uh, sometime later after they had the Ten Commandments, Moses continues to meet with God. And in Exodus 33, verse 11, uh, we read this, the Lord would speak to Moses uh, face to face. Just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Moses had this thing called the tent of meeting where he would meet with God and he would take Joshua with him. And even when Moses would leave, Joshua would just stay there. Now, what is he learning as a young leader? He's learning the vital importance of remaining in God's presence. Now, let me tell you something. This is, this is fundamental into your walk with God and fundamental in spiritual leadership. That you can never get to a point where you feel like you don't need God's presence anymore. You can never get uh, to that point. Where did Moses get his direction? He got it in God's presence. Where was Moses encouraged? In God's presence. Where did Moses find answers to the problems that he was trying to solve? In God's presence. You know, I remember as a young leader, I was in my early 30s and I was pastoring for the very first time and there was so much I didn't know. I mean, I was faking it till I make it, okay? I would act like I knew what I was doing, but I had no clue what I was doing, all right? And, and I remember an older man, a businessman in our church uh, that had a deep walk with God and I noticed that and I asked him about, you know, his walk with God and how he was discipling other people. He said, well, Craig, I'll just show you what I do with other guys. I'm like, great. And so for several months, he just discipled me. He took me through uh, a little book called One-on-One -on -one with God. Some of you remember One-on-One -on -one with God. Actually, when you translate One-on-One -on -one into other languages, it's translated face-to-face -face with God. 
just like Moses met with God face to face. And I, and I learned how to daily come into God's presence, how to daily open up my Bible and hear God speak to me. I learned to bring in those moments with the Lord on my knees and with an open Bible to bring my problems and my, and my concerns and my discouragements and all the things that I was carrying as a leader. I learned to lay them down in God's presence and to hear from God about how to move forward. And I learned that you cannot begin to trust your own abilities, that you've got to depend and to remain in the presence of God. You know, that's exactly what Jesus told us, right? In John chapter 15, just might make a note of it, John 15 verse four, Jesus said, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit and, uh, by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. In that one verse, he uses the word remain three times, right? It's the Greek word meno, which means to make your home in, to be vitally connected with, to uh, be intimately associated with. And I learned as an early, early on in, in ministry, Craig, you can do absolutely nothing unless you remain in me, unless you seek this intimate, personal relationship with me. And I am the one that will give you the help that you need. I'm the one that gives you the encouragement you need. I'm the one that will give you the answers that you need. Listen, I've known a lot of people that started off their Christian walk and they understood that, right? Maybe early on in your Christian walk, you couldn't wait to get up, couldn't wait to get into God's presence, couldn't wait to hear what God would say to you. You're filling up your, your journal with things that God has been saying, but over the course of time with distractions and, and pressures of life and all kinds of things that come on you, you don't meet with God like you used to. You don't hear from him like you used to. And I've known pastors that have struggled and failed. And when they go back and rewind the tape, this is when the problem started, they will say it was when I started neglecting remaining in God's presence. Joshua learned this early on. Lesson number one, only God can win these battles for you. But lesson number two was that you must remain in God's presence. You must, Joshua, stay in the presence of God because that's where he will give you what you need to lead. The third lesson, jot this one down, uh, is this. Going, on your own, going your own way uh, leads to heartache. Going your own way leads to heartache. Now flip over to Numbers chapter 14. All right, we're just kind of moving around in our Bible today. Numbers chapter 14. After Sinai, after the, the receiving of the Ten Commandments, Moses leads them all the way up to just uh, the, the, the border of the promised land. And Moses sends out some spies into the promised land. And of course, Joshua is one of those spies that goes out to just scope the place out. And they come back uh, after 40 days and they say, this land is awesome. 
This land is great. It's a land full of milk and honey, right? Uh, but the people are great. The people are large. Uh, they're giants in the land, and there's no way that we can make it. And, and there is this bad report that is circulated among the people, and the people just start to cry and, 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 and wail. They're like, why did you bring us up here? And we're going to fail, and our children are going to be uh, enslaved by these people, and, and they're just losing it, right? In fact, at one point, they consider killing Moses and Aaron and establishing another leader that will lead them back, right? They're having, seriously having these discussions, all right? That's a bad day at the office when people are considering killing you and getting a new leader, right? And, uh, and in the middle of all this kind of chaos, guess who stands up? Joshua. Joshua said, this is one of the first times we see Joshua actually taking leadership, you know, in front of the people in a crisis situation. And Joshua stands up and look at Numbers 14, verse 7. This is what he says, Joshua is saying now to the people. The Lord, uh, this, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. I, I just love this speech, right? Powerful speech. Hey guys, we got this. God, their protection is removed. God's with us. God will give them. Hey, don't be afraid. Hey, don't rebel against God. Let's move forward. And, uh, and how well did that speech go over? Anybody know? It didn't go over very well, did it? They're like, no, we, we can't do it. We can't do it. And finally, they decided they would not move forward. They would not cross over the Jordan. And finally, God said, all right, you don't want to cross over? Then back out to the wilderness you go. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. And what I want you to understand is that Joshua got a front row seat to all the pain that is caused when you go your own way. When you say, God, I'm not going to do that. God, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. He saw the heartache and the pain, and the suffering, and the death that that brings. I mean, it was up close and personal. He, he, he buried people in the wilderness. He saw their children crying. He saw the, the effects of sin when we go our own way. Some of you know that firsthand too. You know what it's like to say, God, I'm not going to do your way. I'm going to do my own thing and to go your own way. And many of you have, I mean, if, if we had all day, we could probably put up a mic and we could just circulate people sharing their testimony. Let me tell you, man, when I went my own way, listen, to this is what happened. And we've learned many times a hard way that God's way is always the best way. And our way always leads to heartache. Our way always leads to heartache. I'll never forget a pastor one time. Uh, I was sitting in a car with him. And he said, Craig, I want my life to scare you to death. The shocking words to hear from a pastor, right? I want my life to scare you to death. But 
If you know the story, you understand why he said that. Because over the course of time, he had begun to drift away from the presence of God, began to trust his own abilities. And of course, when you begin to do that, temptation is right around the corner and, and he had fallen into moral failure. And, and I saw his life unravel. And I also saw that the pain and the chaos and the heartache that it brought radiated well beyond him and his wife and even beyond his family, went rippled through the church family, out into the community, still continues to have impact on people today. And he said, I want you never to forget what sin does. I think Joshua learned that lesson over those 40 years in the wilderness that you go your own way, it's only gonna bring heartache. Boy, could, wouldn't it be better if we learned that lesson early on in life, right? Wouldn't it be better if we could learn that lesson early so that we always obey where God leads? That leads us to, to the last lesson, lesson number four, jot this down. Uh, God's big plan is all about multiplying a movement. God's big plan is all about multiplying a movement. Just before Moses' death, he cry out to God and say, God, I'm about to pass away. Who is going to take the role of leadership? Who have you put the mantle of leadership on? And God said, I want you to anoint Joshua. Joshua is the man. And he goes on to say in, in Numbers uh, chapter 27, verse 18, that, that Joshua was a man filled with the Holy Spirit that took the, the mantle of leadership. And that really brings us back now to Joshua 1. We've come full circle now, back to Joshua 1 where we started. And I want you to look down at verse 6. Joshua is now listening to God. God saying, Moses is dead. You're now the new leader. I'm going to go before you. And look at what it says in verse 6. He said, be strong and courageous. For you will distribute the land that I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Now I want you to circle the word distribute there. He said, Joshua, won't you be strong and courageous because I'm going to distribute, you're going to distribute this land. Joshua's role, listen to me, was not just to lead the Israelites to cross over the Jordan River. It was not just to lead the Israelites to conquer the promised land. But get this, it was also to lead them to distribute the land among the tribes so that they could multiply and fill it. So that the land would be filled with God's people and this land would be now a nation that would be a light to all nations. See, that was God's ultimate goal. Multiplication, filling the land to be a light to all nations of the glory of God. It's all about multiplication. And listen, God's plan for his people then is God's plan for his people now. It's still all about multiplication. 
God's plan for you and me, God's plan for us individually, God's plan for us as a church is not that we would be content to be just where we are and enjoying our place, but that we would constantly be advancing into new territories, constantly crossing the Jordan, crossing into new territories, going to new places and, and filling and multiplying uh, and taking the gospel. That's God's mission for us. In fact, you can see the correlation just as Joshua um, led as people out of bondage and into the promised land. Jesus leads us out of the bondage of our sin and into his grace. Just as the Israelites had to cross over the Jordan River, when you give your life to Christ, you cross over from death to life. Just as they were to settle in certain lands, God has called us to settle into different areas all over the world to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the world. This is why we plant churches in, in Madrid and why we're planting churches in Montreal and why are we in West Africa? What are we doing there? Because we're following the command that God has given us. And just as the people were commanded to multiply and to fill up, we are called to multiply disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Spiritual multiplication is still what he's looking for. In fact, we had a team, you may not know that, we had a team this week in West Africa that took the growth series that we're using. It's now been translated into French and they're now training leaders that will multiply. Why do we do that? Because Jesus called us to this good work. And listen, just as God had a plan to train up and raise up Joshua, God has given us the responsibility to train and raise up the next level of leadership. Do you understand why this is so important? This residency is not just a cool thing that Craig came up with, you know, one afternoon, you know, after lunch, right? This is embedded in the calling of our church. Not only to make disciples, but then to plant churches and make disciples and to raise up leaders that will lead those churches. I mean, how do we know that the churches we plant will continue in the future? How will we know that the movement that we've started will continue to plant more and more and more? Where will the leaders come from? They will come from us intentionally raising up the next Joshua's that will lead and plant the next churches. Just think about this for just a minute. The next pastor of our church here, hopefully that's not anytime soon, but the next pastor of our church here may be in seminary right now. The next church planter may be in college and is gonna come knock on our door and come be a part of our residency. The next youth pastor that we have here, the next kids pastor we have may be in our youth group right now. In fact, you may be a student in our youth group and God's gonna use you to be the next youth pastor, the next kids pastor, the next pastor. I gave my life to Christ when I was seven years old and when I was, we were baptizing kids last week. You know, we baptized 27 people last week and many of those were kiddos and I thought, you know what? I was about that age when I was baptized. Listen, the next pastors, the next leaders are gonna come through here. And so it's up to us to raise them up so when, when you give to the big give, when you give, you're giving to this residency that raises up the next generation of leaders that will go where we will never go and accomplish what we will never accomplish. Joshua got to be on the land, man. Moses didn't get to go there. He saw it from a distance. Joshua got to see it. And maybe our spiritual children and grandchildren will see it. 
see what we'll never see. So that's why we do this. That's why we give. It's all about God's purpose for our life. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Really, the response today is surrender. Surrender to God's purpose in your own life. Surrender to being a part of our church, giving and investing in the next generation of leaders. And so I want us just to pray together, all right? And uh, I'm going to ask some of our leaders to come just join and kneel here in front, just kind of representing all of us. So if you're a a staff, I want you to come on down and uh, staff family can come down with you. Uh, If you are a deacon, come on down. If you serve on any of our leadership teams or committees, uh, come on down. If you are a connect group leader, uh, come on down. And let's just, uh, let's just kneel together and just pray. Pray that God will, come on, don't be bashful. I know some of y'all are sitting there going, okay, is that me? Yeah, it's you. Come on down. Come on. And we want to just pray together for God to raise up the next generation of leaders right here in our church. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we love you. And Lord, who are we that you would use us anyway? God, who are we that we could know you, that we could be a part of taking your gospel to the ends of the earth? But Lord, here we are as individuals and as a church, and we're surrendered to you. Our hands are open, our hearts are open to you, God. And Lord, I really pray that, God, you would use this church tucked away in Colleyville, Texas. God, that you would use us as a place that you would attract young leaders and train them up and send them out throughout the United States, throughout the DFW area, throughout the world. God, you would use this place, this piece of ground, these people to raise up the next Joshua's, the next leaders that will take us places we've never gone before. Lord, we know that we cannot trust our own abilities. Lord, we know that this battle belongs to you. Lord, we know that we need your presence to go with us. Lord, we know that When we go our own way, that it only brings heartache. So, Lord, we're surrendering ourselves to you. Lord, use us. And, Lord, take these gifts. Lord, I pray that you would well up generosity in your hearts of your people to give to this cause. And that, God, you would take them and you would use them in the lives of young leaders that will never, ever be the same. Lord, we love you, and we surrender all this to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.